We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Watching live on uh, YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres or if you're tuning in on the uh, podcasting app, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, for those of you that are new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. And uh, it is a Tuesday edition of the uh, podcast, uh, trying to do some more of these live, like I mentioned. So um, if you're tuning into the show live on the channel, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you are watching on the replay, go ahead and leave me a comment on uh, the latest thoughts you're having about uh, Oregon football, the coaching search for a, a new man to lead the program, and the uh, recruiting fallout that we've already seen here um, really in the first day uh, following Mario Cristobal's departure to Miami. Uh, looking for uh, any questions that you guys might have to uh, you know kind of guide our discussion and and see uh, what, what's on your mind, what's on the fans' minds. And, and obviously recruiting is a, a major, a major thing that's kind of, um, kind of at play here right now. Right. You know, with the, the early signing period, just a little bit over a week away uh, on the 15th is what we're looking at. So that's next Wednesday. Um, you know, a lot of things could happen, will happen. And um, you know, it's, it's just going to be something to follow for sure. So uh we are doing the first solo edition of the pod, I believe, in uh, quite some time. Maybe the first solo edition since we, uh, you know, re- rebranded and, and called it uh, the Ducks Dish Podcast. So, um, bear with me because it's it's a little bit of a different dynamic when you're doing it solo versus when you uh, have someone else that you're talking with. On the last edition of the podcast, I brought in um, John Garcia, the director of recruiting for Oregon, and. And we had some really good back and forth just about how Cristobal's decision to, to go to Miami uh, is going to affect Oregon football recruiting because things are going to be pretty, pretty crazy with all that. So we're, uh, we're getting some questions in here. So want to uh, try to get to some of those. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, blockchain. Thanks for the, thanks for the, the kind words. And then um, here we got Javi Sanchez. He said, Wilcox as head coach, Joe Brady as OC, Coach O as DC. This, so I, I tweeted about this earlier today, um, just about, about how everybody, not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but I feel like on social media, we're seeing a lot of people um, 
talking about wanting Justin Wilcox from California as the program's next head coach. And, and I got a lot of mixed responses. Some people were, some people kind of supported it. And then some people were saying it's, you know, just those, those more seasoned Oregon fans that, that are looking for somebody that is going to be, um, you know, maybe more loyal to the program and, and isn't going to leave. Like we've seen that the past two coaches with Mario Cristobal and uh, of course, Willie Taggart, you know, leaving and going back to Florida to take dream jobs. And uh, I think with, with that, obviously, for those that don't know, Wilcox is, is from Oregon. Uh, he, he played here, went to Oregon, and obviously you kind of have I – mean, it's not the same situation with Cristobal at all, right? But you just look at how Cristobal played at Miami and he went back to Miami. So I can see on the surface why it would look more secure. But what has he really done at, at Cal that, that makes you – that makes you confident that he's going to be able to, to get those on-field results at a major, major program um, at Oregon, you know, like Oregon, you know, and it's worth saying that he hasn't had elite talent by any means um, in, in his uh, tenure in Berkeley. But, um, but I think that, you know, that with recruiting, recruiting is going to be a big part of that, right? The, the biggest balance that you kind of have to, you know, look at here is you want a guy who who can recruit and, and bring in talent or you want a guy who is a difference maker as a coach um, whether that be as a play caller or just as a, an X's and O's guy so I think if you if you make a hire like that he has to bring on elite level recruiters as assistants because I don't think he has a, a track record um, of an elite recruiter so I don't really get it. Um, this comment also said Joe Brady as OC and Coach O as, as DC. Um, I mean, if, if I am, you know, just to talk about Joe Brady, I haven't heard anything new there other than, you know, since he got fired by the Panthers. But uh, I think I heard some hypotheticals before Cristobal was uh, officially going to Miami that maybe he would call him to be his defense or offensive coordinator. So I think Brady is, is an exciting name for sure. Um, I think he, he'd definitely be, uh, a name to watch for, for offensive coordinator. But um, as far as coach O goes, I mean, you have that, you have that championship, that championship uh, experience. Um, but, and I feel like, you know, with, with the way things ended with him at, at LSU, you know, and I, I feel like there were reports about some shady stuff going on with, um, with coach O. So I, I don't want to speak to that too much, but, um, you, you kind of want, you, you want someone, I feel like maybe with a, a little bit of a better image, um, than, than coach O, but obviously he's, he's proven that he can, he can win at a high level. Um, and man, that, uh, I always think when I think about LSU, I can't help but think back to that shoe game, right? How that, that one player took off, uh, you know, through the cleat and then just completely, uh, messed everything up. And that game was just an absolute mess. I'm going to try to look it up and see what, uh, what I can remember from that. If I'm Florida, okay. The, the Florida defender through the cleat, that was wild. But if you haven't seen that, that was last year's Florida LSU game. And you should watch those highlights because it's a good time. Let's see. Um, we have a question from Todd. I heard Lane's buyout is only two and a half million. Is that accurate? Um, I don't know what his, his actual buyout is off the top of my head. Um, I, I do know that he signed a new, a new deal, um, at Ole Miss, but, um, but it's showing here that, uh, 247's Bud Elliott says that he thinks that Lane Kiffin's a name to watch, a name to pay attention to in the Oregon search. Um, 
and Danny Cannell saying that he thinks that uh, Lane Kiffin should leave after Ole Miss's season this year. So, I mean, I, I, I need to do more research myself as far as Lane's contract buyout goes, but those are just some of the other voices that we're hearing nationally. You know, I, I listen to the Cover 3 podcast all the time, and those guys do great work. Um, obviously, Bud Elliott is really plugged in out there in Florida, and Danny Cannell being a, a for, for, former – words are hard, folks – a former – Florida State quarterback. So I think that that Lane is, is definitely a name to watch, but I wonder if Oregon will want him as as a head coach versus an offensive coordinator. I, I think that's always something to juggle, right? When when you head up a program and it goes well, like we saw here, you know, how willing are you to take a quote unquote demotion to a smaller role? That's why I think that's part of the reason I think that Mario Cristobal was so successful at, at Oregon when he was here, because he was bringing on assistants that had experience as head coaches you know those guys know all the inner workings of their respective programs but overall they, they just know what it takes to to run a program and then when you can bring them in as assistants i think it really allows them to focus on what they're best at um you know whether that was the case with moorhead at, at oregon i think is is up for debate um because he was really lauded as a play caller and, and there were definitely games at oregon when you know, look at that Ohio State game. He 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 really called some some great plays and, and kind of dialed it all up. But it, the offense just looked really vanilla throughout the rest of the season. And uh, I think obviously he was limited with Anthony Brown as a quarterback. So some people want to, you know, uh, last Moorhead for for how he did as an offensive play caller. But I think that he did about as good of a job as you can do, um, given Brown's abilities and kind of what he's shown on the field. Blockchain Barber Peterson number one. Uh, I'm assuming that you're talking about uh, Chris Peterson, the former uh, former UW head coach. I think that he's you know he's worth a call, right? You know he's one of those guys that that is a big a big name, uh, and um, you know obviously has Pac-12 ties given uh, given his history. You know he was at Oregon as a wide receivers coach um, in the in the late '90s. Uh, which is something I didn't know until yesterday, and I saw some picture of Peterson in an Oregon hat that that looked pretty dated. So um, he has Oregon ties, and he's uh, he's from California, so I think that he kind of fits that bill as far as looking for a West Coast guy. I understand that you want to take, I, from a fan's perspective, I can understand why you would want to take that big swing as uh, at a big name um, that you know maybe has ties in the SEC area, you know, the South, Southeast, but, you know, obviously you run the risk as like we've seen of having someone go back home. So if you get a guy from California, which is the most talented state in uh, on the West coast and, and closest to Oregon, I think that that would be a, a big help. So Peterson obviously did really well um, while he was at Washington. I think that he has a decent track record as a recruiter you know when Washington was really humming there I think they were getting some big names so uh I think he could be somebody to watch and then um let's see Todd said Joe Brady seems interested in Miami yeah that's kind of what what I was getting at um Mikey G saying uh, I think fans want loyalty only reason for Wilcox um so kind of like I said earlier um that's what what we were kind of hitting on as far as what the reasoning kind of looks like um and then let's see um blockchain barber natty oh natty is better than loyalty or both peterson is our best bet um yeah i don't know because how i wonder how how do you guys kind of evaluate the whole retirement deal because urban meyer said that he was gonna 
he was gonna um retire and then you know he he got his career going in in the broadcast field and and uh, obviously couldn't stay away and you know the jags presented him with a, a big contract um about you know that, that he couldn't he couldn't refuse here let's see oh hey we got greg question from greg or comment from greg shout out greg he's a good friend of mine dave aranda as head coach and joe brady as dc uh i'm assuming you mean oc i think he's an oc guy right uh keep mcclendon as wide receiver coach because the wide receivers like him aranda and brady were together at lsu okay yeah you corrected yourself in the next comment yeah so i mean that would be a killer combination but i just feel like with the way that the coaching carousel has moved and and how this search has gone I, I feel like it's pretty hard to to get both of them. I mean, when 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 you have Brady go to the NFL, is he even going to want to come back to the college ranks? You know, we'll see if he ends up if he is indeed interested in Miami. Um, but man, wouldn't that be crazy though? Having two former LSU staffers on the uh, on the staff, I think if you did that, then that would probably help um, with obviously the the profile of the program having those ties to the sec are really good you know that's the best football in the country out there uh in the southeast but with if you do that and you have aranda as the head coach then you have a guy with california ties so maybe you're a little bit more confident in the consistency and then you have that big name that's going to bring some excitement in in joe brady as an offensive coordinator and and he's gonna um obviously have a lot of excitement among recruits uh, across the country and then you talk about keeping McClendon as the wide receiver coach because the receivers like him. I think that's one of the biggest things that we should talk about um, that I'm surprised I didn't talk about in this, in this episode. So apologies for that. But one of the newer developments out of Eugene this morning is uh, numerous Oregon players are uh, tweeting their support of Brian McClendon for a head coach. Um, So I wonder what people think of that because that's kind of how Cristobal ended up getting promoted, right? You look at uh, how, Taggart left and then the the players filled out a petition and and showed their overwhelming support uh, of Cristobal and, and that obviously ended up um, bringing him back into uh into him being the the head coach so I think that I see the excitement around McClendon it, it's it's kind of an interesting parallel I, I don't know if it directly applies but Obviously, a lot of people are super sour about how Taggart left, but look at what Taggart did while he was here. The on-field product clearly wasn't great, but he brought in some really good assistance. And however you want to look at it, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, he's the reason that um, he's the reason that the Ducks got Mario Cristobal. And then now Cristobal leaves, and he brought on McClendon, who's a guy who who has a, a really good track record, obviously working with receivers. Um, and when you're looking at receivers and, and the broad scope of the country, a lot of the best skill talent comes out of California, particularly at wide receiver. You look at guys like Tetairo McMillan, an Oregon wide receiver commit. And uh, I think that that would help them a lot with, with uh, recruiting, obviously, because he's one of the best recruiters. Like when he was at Georgia, he worked with some really big names. So I think that that would obviously be a, a big help. But again, you have a guy who, who has some roots you know, away from Eugene, away from the West Coast, with uh, McClendon being from Chicago, so it's it's an, it's something to follow for sure because he was named interim head coach, and um, Mullins was saying that that he was going to name an interim head coach once he had a better understanding of who was going to go with Mario to uh, Miami, and we're still waiting on you know official announcements because he was asked about specific guys like Alex Mirabal. Brian McClendon and Bobby Williams and whether or not um, 
whether or not they had announced that they were going to be following or leaving the program, following Mario to, uh, um, to McClint, sorry, following Mario to Miami. So since uh, we do have an interim here, it, uh, it suggests that uh, there's, you know, some more steam with, with Mirabal being expected to join uh, Mario at uh, Miami. So I think this is definitely one to talk about because he's also, um, you know, he's had some experience as the the interim head coach at uh, Georgia back in 2015. And then uh, he was the offensive coordinator at uh, South Carolina. So I think that McClendon, McClendon isn't, I don't think he's the most flashy name right now, but I do feel like he's one of the more valuable names that you want to keep on the Oregon staff uh, to recruit and to keep attracting high profile names and to try to keep some continuity uh, on the staff uh, after Cristobal left. All right. Looking at the comments. Sorry if it's taking me a little bit to get around to them here. Um, Quack attack 49er, the, uh, Peterson would be the ultimate Husky troll move. That is absolutely correct. That would be hilarious. Um, and then let's see. Question from Oleg. Why not get Chip back? A much better leader on the field, on-field coach, offensive mind. Way, or be- way better offense than Cristobal. Took us to the natty twice with what he did with three-star recruits. Yeah, Chip, Chip Kelly, I think he's the, I want to say he's the the odds on favorite right now to become the next head coach at Oregon, but I don't really understand it because I feel like this was his best year at UCLA and it was kind of, eh, it was okay, right? I mean, they, they beat LSU, lost to Oregon, the, 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 you know, second best team in the, in the Pac-12, still hasn't really gotten his act together recruiting, um, you know, and obviously USC is going to be the big brand, has been the big brand out of LA forever now. But um, I think that even though he was starting to get things put together a little bit um, with recruiting, I don't get a lot of confidence there. But to your point, he said that he took, or you know, you said that he took Oregon to the national championship uh, with three-star recruits. So that shows you a, a bright offensive mind that can develop. Because I think that's like one of the key words that people are looking for now with this next Oregon head coach, you know, is it going to be someone that can develop talent? Because I, you know, aside from the offensive line, I feel like we haven't seen a ton of development specifically from Mario Cristobal um, when he was here. Right. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was already a stud. I feel like it was more so just fine tuning. And then obviously with him being a defensive lineman, that's credit to Joe Salavea with, with his progressions and how everything has gone. Um, so the, the whole development thing is, is certainly reasonable. So I think just so much of the buzz with, with Chip Kelly is, is rooted in the past, right? You know, what he did when he was at Oregon. And you got to think when, when he was at Oregon, he had so many people so excited about what was going on um, with, you know, the offense. And obviously that created a huge shift across all of college football. You know, the, the spread offense, the, the hurry up the excitement, the high octane offense, you know, you say words like that. And a lot of people think back to the Chip Kelly era at Oregon, but what's happened since then, since he went to coach the Niners, since he uh, coached the Eagles, since he uh, took over at UCLA, the rest of the college football landscape is caught up. So I feel like I, I see the buzz in Chip Kelly, but I feel like if he gets hired by Oregon, they're just banking on what he's done in the past. Um, but if Chip Kelly gets hired, he's going to have to hire some fire assistants 
like some really good big name assistants that that have proved that that they can recruit. Brandon, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here in the show today. Um, looking for some more comments. Yeah, Christopher, you were asking about Chip. Uh, Chip left us once already while we want him back. I, I think that the appeal, again, is just with, I don't know, do, I feel like a lot of people generally think that that Chip Kelly is, is uh, you know, viewed with a positive light in Eugene. And I feel like other than him leaving for the NFL, it's the departure to the NFL, I think is a lot more reasonable than a lateral move in college. Right. You know, a lot of people look at college jobs, you know, you, you rise through the ranks and then you, you go to college, but, um, and then you go to the NFL from there. So I'd be curious to think, you know, what people really thought about Chip's departure because he had done so much. It felt like, if he stayed a little bit longer at Oregon, you know, they would have been able to to capitalize on that momentum and, and go back to the national championship potentially and, and really make some noise. Uh, question for question from Quack Attack 49er. Why isn't there more buzz around Matt Campbell? I think he would be the best fit and the number one guy on the on my board. Yeah, I, I mean I, I said this in our uh, initial, you know, who who to watch story over on Ducks Digest. And if if you guys are listening and tuned into the show, you got to go over to Ducks Digest and, and give us a try. Check out our content. We got, I mean, yesterday was the, like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but like that was the longest work day I have ever had uh, in my 24 years on this planet. Um, I got, I got up around six and, and got my coffee. And then I sat down in this chair and I think I left it only a handful of times until, I don't know, like, nine nine thirty like it was just we were just pumping stuff out so definitely head over there to to look at you know our hot board of early candidates and kind of who i thought would be should be the immediate priorities for oregon and, and rob mullins to get on the phone I, I mean to your question to answer your question i feel like matt campbell should absolutely be getting more buzz you look at what he's done at ohio state building a culture developing guys just a really gritty foot, football team uh i like their identity I'm trying to look at a kind of what what they've done this season because I haven't been watching a ton of a uh, ton of Big Twelve football, so they're going to be playing uh, Clemson in their bowl game. So that'll I think that'll give them a decent test. Obviously, Clemson's having a down year, so you can only make so much of a so much of what they're doing. And then obviously, should Iowa State win, um, I think it only means so much. So I'm trying to get the schedule up here, but my computer is is bugging out. So bear with me here. But um, yeah, if you look at it, I mean, Matt Campbell just looks like a great football guy. He's, he's someone that a lot of guys can get behind. Um, you know, he's, he's not too old. I'm wondering where he's from. It's, I feel like I'm, I'm Googling so many of these head coaching candidates to see where they're from because that whole West Coast deal is, is going to, it looks like it's going to play a, a really big role uh, in this. And this says that Matt Campbell is from Ohio. So again, you know, someone who's not, necessarily rooted in the West coast. And I think when, when we say West coast, I don't think it's necessarily just Washington, Oregon, and California. I think I look at States like Arizona, Utah, Nevada, like, you know, those are some schools that I, or sorry, some schools, some States that I think are uh, a little bit closer here. So yeah, I think Matt Campbell would be uh, a, a great option for Oregon. And, you know, he beat the heck out of Oregon in the Fiesta bowl last year. So I don't see I don't see why you don't call him right. Uh, you have nothing to lose. Um, so I'm looking at I'm looking at Iowa State's schedule right now. 
lost to home, lost to Oklahoma, who Oregon's going to be playing in their uh, matchup against them in the Alamo Bowl. Beat Oak State. Oak State was finished real well. Um, obviously, you look at real nicely, I should say. Um, you look at Iowa State losing to Baylor. That obviously wasn't how they wanted that one to end. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look at what other games they had, and then lost a close one to Texas Tech, and then absolutely destroyed TCU. So, yeah, if I'm uh, if I'm Morgan, Matt Campbell's definitely up there for me. All right, let's see what we have here. Um, London not going to be a head coach. The play is to keep him on staff to recruit. Um, yeah, Noah, um, to answer your question, McClendon was the interim at, uh, at Georgia. Uh, he's wearing a visor again. So maybe the timing is right. Is what Mikey G said. Um, so let's see. Kelly left Oregon with sanctions and was banned from the NCAA NCAAF. Um, let's see. Chip is yesterday's news. Aranda would bring a defense to deal with USC and Lincoln Riley, uh, in the Lincoln Riley show, last Pac-10, Pac-12 team to win Natties was Pete Carroll, a defensive coach. Aranda's current OC is good too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you you bring up USC because I feel like I, I want to shift a little bit in this uh, episode to to talking more about the recruiting fallout um, following Cristobal's departure because obviously Lincoln Riley and, and USC have a whole bunch of momentum right now. Um, you know, obviously with, with how they're doing, you know, Riley's working on uh, building his staff a little bit more, but he already has some recruits that have uh, committed and obviously followed him from Oklahoma to Los Angeles. You look at 2023 quarterback Malachi Nelson and then 2022 running back Relique Brown. I love watching Relique Brown play. He's just so electric and he's like a, I mean, maybe it's a cliche, but he really feels like he's kind of like a lightning in the bottle kind of guy. So I can see the point here, you know, for, for um, Aranda and, and bringing in a, a defensive mind. But I just feel like overall, when you're looking at Oregon's identity, you probably want an offensive coach because that's what, you know, for those guys that, that grew up watching Oregon, you know, I talk to recruits all the time and, and, and I ask them kind of about their interest in Oregon and, and where things go, uh, where things kind of uh, were born with all that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I grew up watching Oregon and DeAnthony Thomas and, and Marcus Mariota. Um, as well as Mariota and, and just that excitement that kind of comes with or the Oregon offense. So I, I, I still think Aranda would be a good hire. It would just be going away from Oregon's identity a little bit historically. Um, but that, that um, <clears throat> recruiting battle between Oregon and USC is going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, I put out a tweet just before we, um, just before we started uh, recording here that uh, Roy Manning visited with uh, Oregon defensive back commit Jaleel Florence and he offered him. So I'm going to have more on uh, Jaleel Florence and uh, what's going on in that recruitment because you look at San Diego, man, and that has just been a huge, huge pipeline for Oregon. You got guys like Byron Carwell on the roster this year. Um, Darren Barkins is also from, from San Diego in, in that area um, or Chula Vista. So maybe not exactly San Diego, but um that's a guy from Southern California, and and uh, that Lincoln pipeline's been really big. Uh, Roderick Robinson, the 2023 running back, that's got to be a, a target for Oregon right at the top of their board. Um, so, so yeah, USC is going to be that's, – that's why you want to make this higher, right? You want to try to get some momentum on the recruiting trail because they've already lost three commits. They've already lost quarterback Tanner Bailey. 
They've already lost linebacker TJ Dudley from Alabama. Um, those were the first two. And then you, uh, the big news yesterday, the big recruiting fallout from yesterday was a uh, five-star offensive lineman, Kelvin Banks from Texas. Um, and, you know, I, I talked to him after that news and, and um, you know, he has, he has a lot to think about and uh, it's, it's hard to see Oregon having too much of a shot of getting him back on board um, with, with Mirabal expected to follow uh, Mario to Miami because those are the two main recruiters for him. So it's, it sounds like it's going to be a Texas battle for Banks moving forward. Um, you know, you look at Texas and Texas A&M, those are the two main schools um, with Coach Flood and, and Coach Sarkeesian being some of the main recruiters there. And I mean, is, is there a, a team that is hotter than the Texas A&M Aggies right now? They are just getting everybody, it feels like, um, that was that everybody that they want, you know, they got Evan Stewart not too long ago. So, so he's out there uh, recruiting people and, and trying to get, a, get them to join him. So if you guys got recruiting questions, definitely throw them at me. Um, Cause I would, uh, I would definitely be interested in, in, in talking some more about that um, as far as what's kind of going on with, uh, with Oregon recruiting. And I, I have a, a recent story that I posted on Ducks Digest uh, today just talking about talking about uh, how how crystal balls move to to Miami is going to affect Oregon recruiting. You know, obviously here in the in the immediate future, it makes sense that we're going to see some decommitments from the Ducks, right? You know, when you're a program in transition like this, it, it only makes sense. But the timing, I mean, the timing feels like it couldn't be worse. Uh, you you don't want, but you don't want to rush this hire and and make a hire just just in the name of keeping these 2022 commits in the fold um, because that's not going to do you a whole lot of good if you have one good class, but the the coach, the coach ends up not being the the right fit or he isn't recruiting at a high level, then you have one good class to show for it, right. For, for hiring a guy that is hopefully going to help you, you know, keep some momentum on the recruiting show. But with that, I think a, a part that directly ties into that. If you guys didn't tune into uh, John Canzano's radio show for Mario Cristobal's uh, exit interview, which was really cool, by the way, I feel like he was really gracious and, and forthcoming about kind of how everything went with Chris, with uh, his departure to Miami, saying that he's, you know, some people aren't going to understand and, and and that's okay. I'm just uh, a guy that is going to work my tail off and, and just, you know, make the most of the opportunities that are presented to me. But what, I, I bring that up because I want to get your guys' thoughts on that, you know, Cristobal's exit interview on uh with John Canzano because not a lot of coaches do that. Like he was saying, um, but he was saying that, you know, I, I left, I left uh, the program in good hands with, uh, you know, three top 10 classes on the roster there now. And and he was saying that they're all puppies that they have their best football ahead of them in, in the, the next two to three years coming up here. So I think that that's a, a, a positive sign for, for kind of where Oregon stands right now. And, when I'm looking at the question of recruiting, the topic of recruiting, I think that um, it Cristobal's tenure really showed us that you can recruit. Like we already knew you could recruit to Oregon. You, know, you go back to the was it Scott Frost that said you can't really recruit to Eugene, um, and yeah, he's just having a great time in Nebraska, right? But he showed that you can recruit to Eugene. That he, I feel like he reminded us of that that power behind the brand. Um, that, that was obviously really big. And um, you can go and, and get some of those guys in the South, you know, how easy that'll be with someone who maybe doesn't have connections down there or doesn't have ties down there remains to be seen. But 
you can still you can recruit with the best of them at Oregon. And if you put a good staff in place and you build the right culture, you can generate that excitement and, and everybody knows about that. Oh, um, let's see here. Uh, Jeff come with a comment. It's great. Like recruits. It's great that recruits like Jackson have been involved in the recruiting. It may stabilize some of the fallout possible fallout. Um, I think Jeff, you, you might need to specify which Jackson you're talking about. Cause I'm a little bit confused. Um, I don't know if that's Jackson Powers Johnson or um, Devin Jackson, a guy who's committed to Oregon. Um, so if you're, if you're, if you're still here in the chat, I'd love to, to see who you're talking about as far as uh, Jackson, um, just so I can better guide the discussion. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a player at players being involved in recruiting, you know, they're uh, I'm going to look at Jackson's Twitter just to see if I can figure out what you're talking about here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who you're talking about, so we might have to move on from that comment. Okay. Powers Johnson. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with, uh, with him being involved in recruiting, I, I mean, I, I need to see what specifically you're talking about, but he's been someone that's, uh, been super, super high on the program. Um, you know, just a guy who has that high energy and, and is infectious, um, that can get a lot of guys excited about, you know, the future of Oregon football. You look at him being a guy that, that got on the field early. And that's such an important factor for, for a lot of these recruits is that they're looking to play early. Um, I don't think they're looking to be promised playing time, but the way that Cristobal recruited to Oregon and that we saw people get, they had a path to get on the field early mirror ball. Since we're talking about him earlier, he was saying it's really not that complicated when you're looking at a talented room of offensive linemen, even if they're young, you got to bring in, um, you got to bring it and put it on, put it on tape. And then if you do that, then, uh, then things are going to be, things are going to go well. And you can really carve out a role even when you're a young guy here at Oregon. So I think that obviously any, any positive, uh, any positive words of affirmation kind of coming out of Eugene are obviously going to hopefully help instill confidence in, in the program and, um, you know, take it from there. Tyler Two Chains is Taggart still fully committed to the Ducks? Harrison Taggart from Utah. Um, that's one of the guys that I'm trying to get in touch with at the moment. You know, he uh, he got an in-home visit from the staff while um, Mario was still out on the road recruiting, and he's one of the new commits. Right, you're looking at linebackers um, that that Oregon has in in the fold here. Um, trying to see if he, I don't think he said anything new really since uh, Cristobal announced that he was going to. Uh, Miami, you know, he posted the, the dot, dot, dot kind of just, I feel like that dot, dot, dot represents how a lot of these recruits are feeling, right? You know, you, you have Oregon have a pretty solid season on the field. Obviously the, the two losses to Utah were horrendous. I think that, does that make the Stanford loss easier? Probably doesn't just because that Stanford loss was obviously so close. It came down to the wire and there were some horrible calls, um, in that game, but, um, but yeah, so he, Harrison Taggart's a guy that I, I feel like I want to I want to talk to and, and see what the latest is there. Um, maybe it helps that that Joe Salavea and Kim Wilson were were on the road as well, um, recruiting with Cristobal. Um, talk about staffers that have been really solid here at Oregon. Ken Wilson has been a phenomenal recruiter um, for Oregon. You know, getting guys like Noah Sewell and, and Justin Flo to to commit to Oregon and 
and developing them while they've been here. We haven't seen much of flow, unfortunately, because he's been hurt, but, um, but, uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I, I have to say about Taggart. Stay tuned. Hopefully going to be able to get an update on him. Corey Jones says Cristobal is a used car salesman. We played down to the competition, his entire career as a coach can't make adjustments and waste more talent than anybody else in the country. I mean, Corey, for the, for the last part, did you see, uh, did you see Clay Helton at USC when he was there? I mean, my God, talk about a guy who I feel like he, he did the least with the most. I mean, just looking at the, the elite talent that he was able to attract just being in LA and he didn't even put that much effort. I feel like into recruiting when he was at USC and man, those teams were super underwhelming, but uh, I, yeah, the, the whole playing down to the competition uh, aspect is is, uh, is something that I think is is a very reasonable uh, critique because you look at the, the culture that, that is raved about at Oregon and the competitive nature and, and I don't know how you I don't know how you really account for it. You know, I guess one or one game or so is is okay. I guess I mean you never. I don't want to say it's okay because you shouldn't. That should never be happening. That's probably why I think it's it's. That's why a lot of people are mad at Oregon season because even though they did really well, right? They just had so many games that were a lot closer than they should have been, and I think that that's part of the reason that they're in this kind of QB dilemma. Not only for the Alamo Bowl, I mean Ty Thompson should should 100% play in in the Alamo Bowl. I mean I'm I'm fine putting that out there, um, but uh, but yeah, because Oregon played in so many close games, whether it be a guy like Tom, Ty Thompson, a Jay Butterfield, or Robbie Ashford, they played in so many close games that they weren't able to get meaningful reps to to prepare them for next year, to prepare them to face a team like Georgia. I don't even know how you. I guess the the closest defense that I would think of is probably Utah that would be someone like the best defense that Oregon faced this year, this season, Ohio state's defense was very suspect, obviously, but at the time that they played at the beginning of the season in September and, and that product has since gotten a lot better. Um, let's see. So, yeah, I, I think just that this, this is a very, you know, reasonable criticism of, of Cristobal. Obviously he was, he was recruiting so well, but um, there were there were shortcomings for sure, and I think that's why you saw the the ceiling of the team capped at a Rose Bowl, and not making a, a push deeper into into the playoff because you can't play down to your competition. Um, you know, if, if if they're, I just don't know how you, um, I just don't know how you, how do you fix that? I mean, that's just, it's it's probably just inspiring more confidence in, in your guys and, and just getting them to bring it more. I don't, uh, I don't really know that one's hard. So I feel like my, maybe this will change as, you know, the coaching search develops, but my kind of initial reactions to, to Cristobal leaving and, and, you know, what he really brought to Oregon, even though he had shortcomings as an on-field coach, I feel like people shouldn't be happy that he's leaving. I mean, I see some fans, I said this yesterday when we were on there, um, on the show that, you know, some fans were happy that Mario left. And I just, I don't, I don't understand that. And I don't think that's reasonable because you look at the, the elite recruiting that he's bringing in. And I feel like this is probably, you know, a little bit divided. The elite recruits that he's bringing into Oregon are just rate, right. Raising your floor so much. Um, and, and I think that just helps you. So like, just, you're more competitive in those, in those moments, but obviously the play calling, 
I'd be curious to, to see really what, what it was, what the split was there because, because um, it, the offense was so vanilla. How many dive plays did we see on, on big third downs or fourth downs that maybe just don't make sense. And that maybe that was, maybe that was Mario just saying, I, I want to put my foot down and, and just be a team that's rooted in the trenches and we're going to run the ball and, until someone stops us. So that's hard. But at the end of the day, you got to put the best players on the field. And Crystal Ball really helped just uh, raise the raise the talent level at Oregon overall, which is huge. And you want that from any coach. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, let's see, looking in the looking in the chat now, so hanging in there with us. Um, okay, let's see. Baylor head coach Owen Lincoln. That's what uh, Ideal Smith Reeves says. Um, yeah, we've we've talked a lot about Aranda. Uh, Mikey G is saying says that two four seven is reporting that uh, University of Oregon is set to interview Kalani Sataki, the BYU head coach. He was one of the names that I uh, I think I had on our um, our early our early uh, head coaching hot board. Uh, I wrote that with Nick Batty and. Uh, that's over on Ducks Digest. If you want to go give that a look, but Sataki is a, a guy that I think is is super uh, intriguing to to follow, um, just because he's had a, a pretty good uh, pretty good run so far at uh, BYU. Obviously, um, they're they're undefeated against the Pac-12 this year. I think that's the biggest point that sticks out to me. But 
obviously you could also say you could counter that and say, well, the, the pack toll is awful this year. So how much can you really, really take from that? But looking up, uh, looking up what's going on with the, the Cougars and kind of getting a better view of, of their season 10 two right now. So obviously a pretty solid year uh, with a loss coming to Boise state 17 to 26 and then um, losing to uh, Baylor in, in late October. But um, yeah, Sataki is a, a guy that uh, uh, I think I'm seeing where he's from. Because that's, like I said on, on the show earlier, that's uh, an interesting part here. Um, so he's from Tonga. So I think that would be a huge help for Oregon because they've just had so much success getting uh, getting guys uh, of Polynesian background and, and seeing how they are. Um, I think that that would be a, a huge help. Uh, just with the recruit, you talk about the recruiting and, and being able to, to get that buy-in and, and a coach that, that people can really get behind. And he's, he's very, I mean, I was going to say he's very hot right now. He's a hot name. Um, so that would be, I think so many people are looking for that splash hire, but I don't really know if it's out there right now, just because of where Oregon's at. For, for me, I feel like Matt, Cam- a name like Matt Campbell or Dave Aranda for head coach or, or Joe Brady, those would kind of be, um, the, the splash higher given, uh, given where they're at right now. So I think Sataki would be uh, a great guy. You're looking at his background. He was the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator at Oregon state before taking over at BYU, been uh, the BYU head coach since 2016 also has a background at uh, Southern Utah cover coaching the offensive line and the tight ends, as well as the running backs. So there's a, there's, there's a, some good, some good background there of, of him having some, some proven success. Let's see. I'm at a, let's see, look at these comments. Has there ever been a decommit to recommit? Um, come on, Banks, we need you. Yeah, I mean, Kelvin Banks is definitely going to be uh, a name to watch. But like I said earlier, I feel like with the recent developments, it's, it's probably looking like uh, a Texas, 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 Texas A&M battle right now. The, the one person that comes to mind when I think about someone who decommitted and then recommitted, I think about Diamondor Lenore. Right. You know, he committed to Oregon and then he uh, backed off his commitment. And then he was looking at um, schools like Nebraska and, and Mississippi State. And then he ended up recommitting. So that's obviously a, a better story for Oregon and, and being on the, the right end uh, of that. But then yeah, Todd was talking about scrolling up in the chat uh, with with regard to BYU. So I talked about that a little bit more so trying to see what uh, which which ones I what comments I'm catching up on. Um, let's see. <laughs> hey, I heard Manny Diaz is available. Maybe he's the right fit for you guys. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like we got a, sounds like we got a Miami fan in the chat. Um, man, how do you guys feel? Let's stay on that for a second. How do you guys feel about how, how, um, Diaz was treated? Cause obviously Miami's on cloud nine right now. Uh, you know, getting their guy and, and Mario Cristobal, but you can't help but but feel for Manny Diaz with with how all of that stuff went down. I know that he, um, I know that he delete or sorry, he released a statement. I'm gonna try to get it up here right now and and uh, see if I can share it on the screen because that's a, a part of this whole coaching carousel um, and you know Mario Cristobal saga uh, right now. So I'm just wanna wanna bring that up here and and see if I can if I can read this one. So yeah, if you can see that, um, he says, I'm disappointed in the university's decision and the manner in which this played out over the last few weeks. The 
uncertainty impacted our team, our family, our staff and their families. These are real people that gave everything to the program for that, for them, I hurt. Our players have proven their resiliency though. So I know they will regroup and move forward with class, toughness, and unity. That is who they are. That is what we're about. I am thankful I had the honor to lead these young men and will cherish every minute of our time together. I leave very proud of what we were building and the fight we brought every week. Through significant injuries and adversity, this team never quit and is poised to do successful, special things rather on the field and beyond. The 2021 season presented unique challenges early and often, but the team repeatedly responded. Our young talent got valuable playing time and experienced significant growth, setting the stage for a breakout 2022 season. Our team's resolve is evidence of a genuine belief in what we were building and perhaps more importantly, how we were doing it. I am incredibly grateful to the dedicated group of loyal supporters that have been steadfastly behind the program, to our incredible staff who embraced every challenge without blinking. Thank you. With the foundation in place and the new resources being introduced, I have no doubt that the future is bright for this program. Most importantly, to each and every player who gave their all for this program over the last three years, I love you and will always support you in every possible way. Go Canes, Manny Diaz. Man, that is, that's wild. I mean, you got to feel for him. It's uh, pretty crazy how that uh, that all unfolded. And uh, I think that it just, oh man, it just, I feel like it says something about Miami. I'm not trying to badmouth them or anything because uh, it just the, the bizarre nature of this whole uh, coaching search, right? And, and how this all came about. You look back you know, to Rob Mullins in his press conference yesterday, the Oregon athletic director saying that, uh, Miami didn't extend the courtesy of, of reaching out to him before talking to Cristobal. He, uh, he said he didn't get official contact from, um, from Miami or hear about, I think it was official contact from Miami until Saturday morning is, is, you know, what he was saying, um, as far as the timeline went, cause that was a crazy timeline after, uh, after the game. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say on that. Um, Nope, many sucks. They treated him like crap, but it's a business. Feelings come last in this business. He'll be all right. Um, <laughs> he made sixteen million. He must be so sad. Let's see. Let's see what else. Uh, what other comments that we got here? I'm guessing Urban Meyer isn't an option. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I don't think Urban Meyer is is coming. I mean, I wonder how short of a leash he has in Jacksonville, just because they're having a really bad year, but. No one's going to go into that thinking that it's a good situation. You know, you got to figure money is obviously at play there. Got to get paid a lot to come out of retirement, which is uh, something we were talking about. Um, who feels sorry for coaches walking away with millions? He'll be all right and rich. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of what comes with the business is you're getting paid to, to go through all this stuff. And oh, let's see, we got a, a comment here. Radio 601, thank you for your comment. Uh, ACC is weak, so Miami could win 10 games a year. No, I 100% agree. That's why I feel like it's it's good timing for Cristobal, obviously, in the Miami program um, with how things are looking there. I was looking at their schedule, but their schedule, their non-con schedule is pretty crazy. Um, this is coming from fbsschedules.com. Uh, first game of the year in 2022, you have Southern Miss. But game two, you have Texas A&M in Texas. Um, at a college station. So that's going to be a, a huge challenge um, right out, right out the gate in the second week of the season. And then you have middle Tennessee. And then I'm just looking at other big matchups here. They have Clemson. They start their ACC slate with Clemson. 
how much confidence do people have in, in Dabo Sweeney as far as turning that around? I'm, I don't think there's reason to be to not be confident in him, but obviously this year was was a, a, a big step back for them. I mean, the ACC championship game was Pittsburgh and um, Wake Forest. I mean, when, when were the last times that those guys were um, those guys were relevant? I feel like that's uh, that's been a long time in in the works, but you know. Oh, also Kenny Pickett in that game, that, that fake slide was absolutely icy. I feel like that's probably not a good thing that he did that just because, you know, you talk about quarterback safety and, and the slide rule and, and late hits and all that. Um, hopefully I'm not jumping around too much in this pod and, and this episode and on this live stream, but that was one of the coolest plays I, I feel like um, from that, from the last weekend of college football, but um, Yeah. Let's see here. We've got another another comment. This comment is coming from, or question rather, is coming from Corey Jones. Thanks for your question. And Peterson is like chairman of the board of some board at UW. He's making big bucks, sitting pretty in an office. Can Oregon really get him into coaching again? That yeah, that's that's a great question. I feel like that kind of goes back to the the situation right now. Yeah, um, there's a comment here talking about money talks. We'll we'll see if if Oregon's willing to to offer him a huge deal. Um, you know, there were reports of, of some pretty big figures that were offered uh, to Cristobal um, heading into this decision. I believe that, that was from John Canzano, and he does a lot of great work at the Oregonian. I believe that the contract was 10 years, 85 million uh, around there, reportedly. Um, so whether they're whether or not they're going to be uh, willing to offer someone that that kind of money is going to be uh, a dynamic of this for sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it would just be so crazy if, if you saw a former UW coach, coach Oregon, but can we really say it's that crazy? Cause it's just, that's just been the, the theme uh, of everything. That's been the theme of everything this year. Sorry. You'll have to be patient. I, my throat's been getting dry for like 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, I gotta go ahead and, and get some water here. But um, I mean, I think Oregon is one of those jobs that you maybe consider coming out of retirement for. I mean, there's maybe, I don't know, 10 or so jobs that, that you think would, uh, that would maybe force or make people consider coming out of retirement. So I think that that's, uh, that's something to monitor for sure. I, I don't know how long, what the timeline is like right now, because crystal ball or not crystal ball, sorry. Um, Rob Mullins was asked what his timeline looks like for uh for Oregon you know in the future here with uh this decision expected um and they were saying that they're going to move as expeditiously as possible as they go about making this decision so like I said you don't want to rush that when with USC USC having so much momentum after bringing over Lincoln Riley I I mean I would I would caution people to a degree because obviously we haven't seen anything on the field yet their season's over after losing to Cal um which I mean, isn't really that big of a deal and can't be too much of a shock to people given how things were going in LA. But, but um, I think that this part of the reason this is so such an important hire, obviously, is because USC is is loading up with with a really strong coaching staff, and and now I think that the rest of the Pac-12 and and the country and West Coast football is is waiting to see waiting to see who Oregon brings on to uh, to figure that out and and then lead them the rest of the way here. 
And then comment from uh, Ideal Smith Reeves, OU might not even have a quarterback in the Alamo Bowl. That's what's so crazy about this matchup coming up between the Ducks and the Sooners is they're they're both. Uh, I guess Oklahoma isn't looking for a new head coach after uh, hiring Brent Venables, but um, it looks like Bob Stoops is going to be uh, is going to be coaching the, the Sooners in that game. So you look at that and and all the players that have since transferred or at least entered the transfer portal, I should say um that that's an interesting dynamic going into this matchup and and i think it's one that probably gives you some confidence if, if you're an oregon fan and then the ducks naming brian mcclendon the uh the head the interim head coach in eugene we'll, we'll see who who ends up calling plays for that one um jim mastro called plays when uh, joe moorhead uh, had to have that emergency surgery earlier this season so you you kind of stand to reason that he'll be he'll be um calling plays for the ducks in this one, but um, what kind of fallout are we going to see from, from Oregon now? We kind of, we have, we've seen it on the recruiting trail, but we haven't seen anybody really enter the transfer portal just yet. Uh, it's one twenty-three PM as we're recording this uh, on the West coast on December 7th. Um, and I also feel like, well, I guess the, the, the one update that we did have, I should say is Kayvon Thibodeau declaring for the draft and, and he's not going to be, he's not going to be playing in that one, but that's, completely to be uh completely to be expected um yeah OU hiring jeff lobby from kittens i think i might have some some typos there i think you might mean jeff levy um jeff levy the the is the uh, offensive coordinator at miami so hopefully this um this is showing up properly um but let me see. I'm going to see if there's any new, I haven't heard anything about Jeff Levy um, this morning, at least. So I'm trying to see what uh, new stuff is out there with, with him. Okay. Let's see. Trying to see what's going on here. <laughs> Man, Twitter is a, uh, Twitter is a funny place. Everybody. You never know what you might find there. Jeff Levy was one of my uh, offensive coordinator candidates that I put on, um, on Ducks Digest. So I feel like he would definitely be a, a big name that would, um, that would, uh, you know, make people excited. Um, okay. So I'm an OU fan. He's coming. So uh, my bad if I just haven't seen that yet, I just don't want to put stuff out there unless it's confirmed. But um, how cool is that, that we have Oklahoma fans in the chat and in the, uh, in the show. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Um, Let's see. Question from Mikey G. Uh, did Kiffin really improve after leaving SC? Sure, his resume suggests that, but something tells me he would not fare well recruiting out here again. That's a good question. I, I think. I wonder how you how you look at things with with uh, re- with regard to recruiting, seeing that he he's done a good job with with Matt Corral and and with Ole Miss. I, I like watching Matt Corral play so much kind of a little hypothetical that I threw out there with some of my buddies uh, that I live with uh, throughout the season is what would this Oregon team look like if, if you had a guy like Matt Corral at quarterback, he's just so gritty. He, he lays his body on the line, maybe a little recklessly sometimes. And, and that can make you kind of hold your breath as a fan, but he's just super fun to watch. He's a playmaker. He's mobile in the pocket. He, he can make all the throws. Um, I, I think that, yeah, like Lane Kiffin would be a, a cool name for Oregon, but at the same time, you really see the fit in uh, 
in Mississippi at Ole Miss in the South. So I feel like he has a really good situation and Oregon's a good situation, but just that's why we have to see what happens with the staff because I just wonder who, who would be retained. We don't know who would be retained um, just yet from this, uh, from this Oregon staff um, with, uh, you know, obviously it looks like Mirabal is probably going to be heading, heading out to um, heading out to Miami. So, we got to wait and see what goes on there. I'm, I'm trying to think of what other, what other stops uh, Lane Kiffin made after, after leaving USC. So give me a second to, uh, to look these up here. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was at FAU. I remember that. And then he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Bama. So yeah, I think, I mean, if I'm looking at Lane Kiffin, I feel like Ole Miss is obviously his biggest, uh, his biggest um, accomplishments. Let's see. All right. We got another, another question here coming from Ray Gee. Ray G. Thanks for your question. Thoughts on coach Joe, our D line coach to get the promotion. I really like coach Joe. You know, he's a guy who, who has uh, a lot of um, experience obviously. And then uh, he, he's well, he's well liked by the, the Oregon um, community and the the players. He's done a good job developing the offensive line and, and currently holds the uh, associate head coach title. But I don't. I mean, and he also he also got to think that he has uh, NFL experience, which is what a lot of these guys are looking for as far as recruits. You know, someone who knows what it takes to to get to the NFL and can help you develop there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just have a hard time thinking about who, who would be a, a good promotion if the Ducks were to look internally. You know, it, it, it sounds like McClendon's getting the support from the players. So I think that's obviously someone to to uh, watch here. But I like Coach Joe. I, I just don't know if, if there's enough there as far as previous experience. Like maybe if he was – maybe if he was a, a DC or had some, some experience as far as that goes um, – you know, obviously at Washington State, he, he did really well and, and he had some good players that I think were a little bit underappreciated. Um, and then he got the, the associate head coach job there. Because I, th- I think I think Salavea is probably a guy that, that's looking for a head coaching job after being the associate head coach at, at his last two stops. Um, so, yeah. And then, oh, here, yeah, here's a good, um, here's a good, uh, a good little tidbit here. This is from, from Tay Skywalker. Why wouldn't Lane leave the SEC? You want to compete with Saban, Kirby, and then now Brian Kelly every single year. It's just so wild how all these other coaching jobs are, are overlapping and, and coming into play here, not only for Oregon, but for, for other schools that are still looking for uh, looking for uh, coaches. I think that's a great point when you're looking at what what uh, is on the table for, for Lane if he, if he were to get contacted by Oregon and and if you were to come out to uh, Eugene, uh, if you're looking at the Pac-12, I mean, really, you just have Utah to overcome right now because they've been the most consistent team other than Oregon over these past couple of years. And then obviously uh, USC is is really loading up a lot um, with with uh, the Lincoln Riley hire. And, and he's poised to have a lot of success adding players, you know, probably getting some more guys from Oklahoma potentially. So I think that that's a good point. You know, if you talk about coaches obviously wanting to get to the playoff and, and win championships, the path is a lot easier at Oregon, I think, than you than you see it in the SEC, especially with 
Uh, I was going to say with Oklahoma and Texas coming over, but those programs don't look like they're too threatening right now. But I, I am excited for, for Oklahoma uh, after the Venables hire. Let's see here. Bill O'Brien. Uh, Oregon won't hire any current staff coach. Uh, yeah, Bill O'Brien. Uh, I wonder if, if he'll be he'll be someone to watch. Um, you know, maybe because you know you look at him. He was a guy that was obviously uh, in the NFL um, coaching the uh, the Texans. Um, so he he has that that NFL experience at the the highest level that um, you know obviously makes him valuable as a as a coach. Um, and then, yeah, he's the offensive coordinator at Bama right now. And I mean, look at Bama; their their offense is, is really just firing all uh, um, on all cylinders right now. Like the, he made that Georgia defense just look like it was. And I, I wonder how much of that you can attribute to hit the play calling versus just the raw talent of Bryce Young, who looks like a, a Heisman front runner now. Uh, I I think that. Yeah, man, it's it's just so hard to to lure people away from Alabama. Obviously, Cristobal uh, left for Oregon, but um, I think yeah, I think it's a, a good name, but it's it's going to be hard to to lure him away, especially if they win the the national championship. Um, but at the same time, I think something that is in Oregon's favor with all that is the fact that people leave Bama all the time. I mean, it's. It's crazy that it's – I don't know if this makes sense to say, and it might be a stretch, but, like, I don't want to say Alabama is a stepping stone job, but, like, it feels like it's a turnstile for assistance. So I think that maybe upon further review, maybe Bill O'Brien could be somebody that they go after and, and they could pry him away from Alabama. But, um, man, that would be something, wouldn't it? Let's see probably going to wrap it up here pretty soon guys so if you have any more questions um go ahead and throw them in the chat and then i'll have some some closing remarks to end the uh end the podcast question coming from christopher cincinnati head coach would be interesting though yeah luke fickle would uh would absolutely be interesting i mean obviously a lot of people with a group of five team to to make the college football playoff but um it's it's hard to to see him maybe coming to coming to Oregon because the dude's literally been in Ohio his entire life. You know, he was born in Columbus. If you're looking at his track record, he was a GA at Ohio State, and then he was the defensive line coach at Akron, and then really was at Ohio State from from 2002 and until um, 2016, uh, and he got hired in 2017 to head the program at at um, Cincinnati. So if he weren't from so close to where he's coaching. If he wasn't an Ohio guy, I feel like I would be a little bit, um, I would be a little bit more open to seeing him leave. But if, if they do well in the playoff, which I think at this point would obviously just be being competitive with Alabama. I wonder if he stays on there. You know, they, they got a big recruit. The first like really big recruit that they've had in a while. Um, Mario Eugenio, uh, he's a defensive lineman out of Oregon, sorry, not Oregon out of Florida. I believe so. It, if you're seeing some of that success, you know, coming from coming from the recruiting trail, there, I wonder you can take that momentum of being, hey, I was a, we were a playoff team last year, and and I want to keep this thing going with uh, with strong recruiting. Um, I think that uh, I think that yeah, it's just it's just another dynamic of the coaching search that you have to have to look at, um, and then obviously with with him. 
playing in, in the NFL, although it looks like it was only for one year with the Saints, what is what I'm seeing online here, then it, it's only going to add value if you can bring an NFL guy. I think everyone can agree on that. So he had an interesting coach, but I, I think it's a bit of a long shot right now. Question from Ray G, splash hire or long-term hire? Your thoughts if you had to choose one. This is the the biggest question that's on people's minds in term uh, in addition to the the X's and O's versus the recruiting guy. I think that Oregon fans probably want an X's and O's guy, but if you do that, you have to hire a really strong assist, uh, group of assistants that are pretty proven re- recruiters that um that uh like um that have a good track record of of you know high level of success. So. I feel like my thoughts right now, Tuesday, December 7th, like I said, as we're recording this, I, I think you want to go for the long-term hire um, just because all of, because of the way that college football is shifting and especially with such a big hire in Lincoln Riley at USC, I think that you want to have a long-term hire because you've gotten burned with the splash hires. I don't know if I'd say uh, – Willie Taggart was a splash hire at the time, but I think Cristobal was given his, his really successful history and, and how the, the players wanted him. Um, but it's so weird because as I say that, I feel like he viewed it and they viewed it as more of the long-term hire. He looked at, he looked on the surface like a guy that was going to be here for a long time. He, he said in his exit interview um, that I referenced earlier that, that it looked like a job that, that, um, that he, the Miami job, I should say, looked like a job that he didn't really think was coming, that he, he didn't foresee that in, in the near future for him. So it's, um, it's just, it's wild. Cause I feel like he, for Oregon fans, you're like, Oh, we finally got our guy and it looks like he's going to be in it for the long run. His, his wife and kids loved Eugene. I mean, almost, I don't want to say everybody loves Eugene, but, um, but that, that, that just made his, his departure that much less likely on the surface. But we knew for the longest time that it was going to be Miami and Alabama, right? You don't want to, you don't need to kid yourself. I feel like those are the two jobs. They said Alabama for when Saban leaves, who even knows when Saban's leaving at this point. And what do you know? Alabama's in the playoffs yet again. Um, and then Miami came open uh, at just the right time for, for him. So I, I can definitely understand where he's coming from. And um, I, I, I also feel like the, yeah, we've, we've been talking about Aranda the whole time. I feel like he's a, a name that's getting circulated a lot. So I think that he'd be someone to uh, to watch for sure. Um, Deion Sanders, I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that, that really has people excited uh, just in general. Um, you know, he's taking, I feel like, the – um, you know, the transfers from these big programs uh, at the power five level and, and he's using them to build a good team. And obviously he's one of the most successful defensive backs in, in NFL history. So people are going to be excited to play for a guy like that. And he's got a lot of really good energy around Jackson state, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to go for that. Um, I'd maybe want to see him have a little bit more of a, a more success uh, as a head coach first, maybe see how Jackson State does next year, and if if he's building something sustainable and and kind of uh, what that picture looks like. This is the I think this is the last one that I'm going to take for for today, and then I'll kind of wrap things up. But Christopher has a great point. Once Uncle Phil passes on, I'm a bit worried for the Oregon program. Uh, Phil Knight's 83, so you got to think that um, you know he obviously like a lot of Oregon fans wants a national championship really soon. Um, you, you know, he probably wants to see a, a national championship at, at Oregon before 
before he passes. I mean, I don't want to get super, you know, dark or, or morbid or anything. Um, but obviously, you know, he's, he's probably got to be thinking about that and how he, he wants to have a big hire. And it's, it's crazy for Oregon because I feel like it's a different dynamic than a lot of these other schools that they have. Obviously there's numerous boosters at Oregon, right? But Phil Knight is the booster that everybody thinks about. So, um, you know, it's, it's obviously got to be a hire that I'm sure is going to be discussed heavily with him. And then you, if you bring that into account and, and kind of the dimension of it, it seems like that would support a splash hire that can maybe do more win now uh, that could maybe have this team in more of a win now mode. Um, but that's not to say that a long-term hire won't make them competitive. Cause like Cristobal said, they already have a really good roster in place. So I think that that's really beneficial for them. So, um, Oh yeah. I mean, obviously having, um, having, having, uh, Phil Knight as the, uh, the biggest booster on this, in this program is, is really big. So yeah, that was, a. Uh, I think that's what we'll have for, for right now. Um, you know, just some recruiting, recruiting, um, you know, talk to, to end it here. I feel like that's kind of what I'm trying to, to do a little bit more with my coverage right now with early signing day, early signing period coming up. Um, I think one of the updates that that is worth mentioning is a uh, 2022 defensive lineman Ben Roberts has been. Um, I think he he uh, kind of said that he was locking things in more or less. He after uh, Cristobal, you know, after Cristobal left, um, he was saying and he tweeted out a video saying on to the next chapter, um, and that's that's pretty big. And then he he quote tweeted John Don Johnson and said still locked in, ain't nothing changed, we still on so. It's good to see that, but I think a lot, you know, numerous guys in this 2022 class for Oregon, um, they're in limbo right now. They're just waiting to see what's going on here, um, and and who Oregon who Oregon brings on to to lead the program now. So, I think it, it makes sense that that there could be more decommitments. But if you're an Oregon fan, you got to hope that they kind of give you the benefit of the doubt and see what can happen. Um, I saw somebody in my mentions the other day or maybe it was earlier saying that they'd like to see a decision made by Friday, which is super, super fast. If you think about trying to bring guys into Eugene, meeting with people on zoom and, and really vetting the guy as much as you can, I feel like a decision this week would be, would be super, super soon. Um, but, but we'll, we'll see what happens by then. I think that maybe closer to early signing period would, would be more of an appropriate uh, deadline, but, or timeline rather, I should say, but, um, you know, like we said earlier, I feel like you, you don't want to rush this higher. I mean, even though there's pressure, obviously, from the fan base and, uh, you know, the other factors that be around the country with other hires being made, you really can't you can't uh, force this because it is you know one of the it's the most pivotal hire. I feel like Oregon's had to make in uh, quite some time, especially with the, the momentum that was generated by uh, Cristobal being here and, and winning some Pato titles, winning a Rose Bowl game that, that went over Ohio State. As, as ugly as the end of the season was against uh, Utah, obviously the bowl, I don't really know how much weight I can even put in the bowl game. I, I'm just hoping to see Ty Thompson or some other quarterback put out there. That's the biggest thing I'll be looking at. As ugly as the season's end was, aside from the bowl game, I think that uh, you got to you gotta just take it for what it was. And there were definitely some highs and not a whole lot of lows during the, the Crystal Ball era for the most part. You know, there were obviously some close games, but... That happens sometimes. Uh, before I get out of here, I think one thing I wanted to say, 
Um, would people be interested in doing a Twitter spaces or Twitter space? I don't know if it's Twitter space or Twitter spaces, but, um, I think that would be kind of fun if you're, uh, if you're not following me, it's imperative that you follow me on the social channels. Obviously go ahead and follow uh, me on Twitter at mTaurus sports. The name is right there on your screen. Let's see, can I point to it? There we go. mTaurus sports. That's me. Um, and then go ahead. And if you're watching, subscribe to the channel. Uh, it only takes a, a second out of your day and it's free. And then go ahead and hit that notification bell as well while you're here so that you don't miss uh, my future live streams. Cause I'm trying to do these more often. I do them with my reporters um, pretty frequently. And, and it's always fun to interact with you guys and, and see what's going on because there's a, it's going to be a busy off season and uh, make sure you stay tuned into ducks digest uh, to see what else is kind of going on with, with recruiting. I'm going to, after I record this, I think I'm going to get to uh, get to work on pumping out another recruiting update. So make sure to stay tuned to that and uh, follow that to see what um, what news we have going on on the uh, recruiting trail. And then go ahead and follow Ducks Digest and all our other uh, platforms on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We are all at Ducks Digest on all of those. Uh, really fun doing this uh, live show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, go ahead and share the show with the other Duck fans. And, um, you know, we just want to keep drumming up excitement. And then also, you, if you go follow me on Twitter, you can sign up for our free daily newsletter. Um, that's been going really well. And then that's another way to make sure you stay, to, stay up to date on everything going on with the Ducks. But uh, I think that's everything that I wanted to plug for this one. Um, first solo show, just about an hour and 15 minutes. Not, uh, not too shabby. But uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the support. And we will see you in the next episode. Take care.